it down to dungeon. Mist and Peeved. Yeah, um, Mist and Peeved. Mist and Peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be Mist and Peeved. Mist. Don't be Mist and Peeved. It's a real world. It's a real world. It's a real world. I don't use it. It's a real world. It's a real world. Down to dungeon. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, with me, this fine morning it's my good friend alex spears alex what's up good morning it's a big day it's a big day we're going to talk about the contending years of the oklahoma city thunder yes uh obviously they did also contend in 2016 but we thought we'd call these three years the contending years because these were the years when every everyone kind of perceived okc as a contender these were all of their long playoff runs that we all remember so fondly. Yeah. So this is 2011-2012 season through the 2013-2014 season. Yes. Do you want to give a quick recap of last week and who the winner, what the winner was for the... Yes, for the early years, years division. Yeah. yeah, the early years division, our winner was the number two seed, the end of the 2010 LA series which includes the uh, Gasol tip at the end of the game, followed by the standing ovation from the crowd, which beat out the number eight seed, the 2011 game four OKC Memphis game, which went to triple overtime and tied up the series two, two. I think that makes sense. It kind of encapsulates that era. Yes, I agree. So I think the people did a good job selecting that one. Now this one, how many do you have? I have a lot. I haven't even counted. I have 21. <laughs> and, and I know that some of them won't make it. There's a few that I just kind of know. But there were so many. Well, especially there were so many playoff moments. Yes. Um, way more playoff moments, obviously, than last week. Um, and just a lot of just a lot of stuff happened. Right. <laughs> crazy three years. Yeah. I think it, and it starts with the 2011 lockout. Like That's true. Yeah. We had this NBA team that was just ready to take off. Like you just knew it after taking the Lakers to six games. You just knew that development was happening. Like we talk about kind of joke about summers of internal development now, but back then when you had young Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden, like that was real. <laughs> I mean, that was how you improved is that you just waited for these guys to get better and the lockout happened and it was really frustrating because all you wanted to do was watch these guys play. And so right. they had a shortened season. They played 66 games. I think they won 47 games that year out of 66 and were the two seed and they were just a buzzsaw through the playoffs. They really were. Yeah, I think that's a great one. That was not one that I had even written down. <laughs> so that means we have 22. Right. Do you remember just sitting? I remember I was in, uh, I was getting my master's at the time. And I just remember just sitting there refreshing Twitter and like refreshing and just looking up stuff. And I remember like the, the, the how you tweet and what else? And the, uh, the mutant pizza. Yes. I don't even remember what that was, but I just remember that the reporters would always talk about mutant pizza. It was such a weird time. And it was just, I don't know, the, the lockout was frustrating. But um, the Thunder were just amazing that year. And I kind of had forgotten that that's the year that they went to the finals was the lockout season. But, yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to throw out, well, this one's definitely going to be a high seed. Might as well get it out there. Patrick Beverly injures Russell Westbrook oh, shoot. in yeah. retrospect might be the most important moment in thunder history because yeah. by several statistical measures, this was the best thunder team, at least over the course of the entire season. I think right. you could argue that 2016 had a higher ceiling, um, but this team was just crazy. And they were, so they were the number two offense in the league 
They were tied for the number three defense. They had the highest net rating of any OKC team plus 11 by a significant margin. The next best was the finals year at plus 7.2. They were the by offensive and defensive rating. They were the best offense and the best defense in OKC's history. Mm-hmm. And if Westbrook doesn't get hurt, you know, maybe the thunder meet the heat again in the finals and who knows what happens. That was the Ray Allen shot year. Yeah. 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 Uh- it that team was that was maybe their best version as a cohesive team from start to finish they were they were that good and then patrick beverly ruined everything for that team. everything. Really, they really did you know a lot of people talk about everyone just kind of talks it's just easy to talk bad about russell westbrook and i think people just forget how much of a cliff they dropped off whenever he went down right because they like they still had kevin durant like they still had him and he just wasn't able to carry the load and there was a there was a lot to carry kevin martin was pretty terrible after russell went down because he was kind of he was elevated to a role that he didn't seem ready for uh, reggie jackson wasn't quite ready for it and I, I get all the context of it but still it, that memphis team wasn't like a juggernaut team like they got pretty destroyed by the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals. So yeah, I was thinking about if that team had had met up with the Heat. I was thinking what the difference would have been because it would have been one year later. Yeah, and I I do worry about like who Kevin Martin would have guarded on the Heat. <laughs> yeah, it probably wouldn't. It would have been a difference from James Harden. Yeah, I'd like to thank the press for sponsoring today's show. Got to go down to the press. It's located in the Plaza District near downtown OKC. Just the restaurant itself is wonderful. It's a big restaurant, so if you're looking for a place to have like a birthday party with friends or a place to gather with your whole family, it's a great place for that. And the food is just unbelievable. They've got really good brunch. You can get their cornflake fried chicken sandwich. It's a corn cornflake fried chicken breast smoked bacon sliced jalapeno drizzled with honey in a biscuit with a side of smashed potatoes amazing so go for their brunch you can also go for lunch or dinner always recommend their mac and cheese you can get their chili mac you can get it with uh buffalo chicken on it you can also get it with barbecue uh it's an amazing meal also, their salads are really fresh. All their food is wonderful. Support the people that support Down to Dunk and eat at the press. Kevin Martin is such a, is such a weird player in Thunder history. He, he's a weird player in NBA history. Yeah, that's so true. He, he had some crazy statistical years. Yeah. I mean, he shot, with the Kings. He shot almost 43% from three with Thunder. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took almost five a game. He was really good for them. He was the reason why they had that one of the big reasons why they had that point differential because you had him coming off the bench. He scored 14 points a game on super high efficiency. He took a ton of threes. Uh, he was really good for that team. That's that's when they would just like put teams away because obviously that starting unit would come out and put a big punch on these teams. And then when the reserves came in, when Reggie and Kevin Martin came in with Nick Collison, I mean, they would just put the clamps down. Uh, defensively with Collison and even Hashim Thabit played a nice role with that team. Uh, they were really good. That was a really good team. And you had uh, Perry Jones and Jeremy Lamb sitting on the end of the bench, not really doing anything at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was a big deal. And then one of my moments is Russell Westbrook's knee continued so like just his his right knee injury. So the, the initial injury happened when Pat Beverly ran into him after they blew the whistle. The play was supposed to be dead. He runs right into him, just making an overly aggressive play. And we didn't know until, was it the next day that he had a torn meniscus? Because he played on it the rest of the game right. too. And yeah. so we had no idea. And then he was out for the rest of the playoffs. He's supposed to be ready for the season. Everything looked good. And then on October 1st, we got news that there was a loose stitch in his, in his knee from surgery. They had to go in and snip it out. And 
he ended up missing like another month basically and came back with i think the fourth game of the season he came back and he played pretty well and everything looked good and christmas day they played the knicks he had a triple double in that game and then after that game they there was a quote-unquote area of concern for his knee and then he had to have another operation and then was out until after the all-star break so that like nine month span of russell westbrook's knee was so stressful because this is a hyper athletic player fully dependent on his speed and agility and he's having three knee operations in one year and it's like well crap like we just traded james harden and now we've got maybe this injured point guard and kevin durant and this is maybe not going the way that we thought it would right yeah no i i I remember that because we were we were i remember arguing about whether the thunder had brought him back too quick because we just had no idea what was going on right at all right um yeah so that's a good one um okay so i'm gonna suggest an individual game a regular season game i think i have one or two of these so this was february 19th 2012 it was an overtime win against denver does that bring up any memories what that might be kind of keep going so this was a game katie scores 51 westbrook scores 40 and abaca has a triple double with 11 blocks Blocks. (laughs) i do remember that that game was so crazy what was the date on that that was february 19th 2012 so these are all the stats from that game so it was the first triple double in franchise history that included blocks it was katie's career high to that point and his first 50 point game Katie and Westbrook scored all 13 points in overtime. They were the first teammates to score 50 and 40 since 1983. And they were the first teammates to score 40 plus a piece since MJ and Pippen did it in 1996. I just remember that game because, well, it's crazy to think that they did all that and it still had to go to overtime for them to win. (laughs) (laughs) But I just remember how insane those stats were. Yeah, that is, that is crazy. That is absolutely nuts. And those Nuggets teams were pretty good, too. Yeah, they were. Uh, okay. Go ahead and give me another moment. Um, okay. How about... Oh, this is a good one. Uh, the Mr. Unreliable newspaper heading. Yeah. So um, Austin Sternlich had suggested this on Twitter, and I can't believe I'd forgotten it because it really was like a big moment. I mean, it was talked about on every TV show. So this was published... On May 1st, 2014, this was the morning of Game 6 against the Memphis Grizzlies. At that point, OKC was down 3-2. We'll talk about that series a little bit later. Mm -hmm. This was round one of the playoffs. KD was a few days away from winning the MVP, and the Oklahoman comes out with this article. They decide to title with Mr. Unreliable, which is still one of the funniest Thunder moments to me because if this happens in New York or L.A., they talk about it for a day and people just move on because it's understood that newspapers need to sell papers mm-hmm. and make headlines and no one really takes it that seriously. But all of a sudden it happens in OKC and it is like this huge news story and everybody has to give their opinion on it. And they're asking Sam Presti and Sam Presti's bringing up all the charity work he did with the more tornadoes. <laughs> and, and then they ask KD and they ask Russ. And so you get all of these quotes from all the players about this one little article in the Oklahoman. It was so it was such a weird story. Yeah. And it was written by Barry Trammell and barry didn't barry didn't write the headlines he just writes the story and the editors or whoever i don't know if it's mike sherman probably not mike sherman probably just some editor just put that out there and barry didn't even know until the next day until after the papers printed he like started getting phone calls from people (laughs) about it (laughs) he had no clue but kevin durant they they asked kevin durant about it and he said i'm unreliable me mr unreliable as a competitor there's going to be good days and bad days they're they're going to build you up and they're going to break you down you just have to stay even keeled and that's what i am it's all about what you've done for me lately and i understand that it's a pretty (laughs) pretty just nice kevin durant that was back when kevin durant was nice um yeah that was that was so weird and 
he, so the reason they had published that was at that point, KD had had two bad games in a row, yeah. although they had won one of those games. But I think he was like 15 for 45 in his last two games. He'd been like missing all of his threes mm-hmm. up to that point in the series. But it, it probably still wasn't justified. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what the point of it was. Um, but we also probably all overreacted to it. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no question that we did, but you know, Kevin didn't play well up until that point. And it, there's part of it that did make sense, but still it was to put all the blame on him and to call, call him that, uh, it was, it was probably not the best idea. Probably yeah. not, not the, the best moment for the daily Oklahoma. <laughs> All right, give me one. Uh, I think just the Western Conference Finals against the San Antonio Spurs. Which one? 2012. Okay. So I was debating whether to just include that whole series or I specifically mentioned game six. Yeah. So game six was significant because obviously it was the game they won that got them into the finals. Mm -hmm. But... I remember that game so vividly because they were just getting destroyed. They were trailing by 18 in the first half. They trailed by 15 at the half, which I actually thought that was low in my memory. They were trailing by like 30. <laughs> I, re- I, remember, insurmountable. I remember I was at a bar with a few friends in Oklahoma city and we left at halftime. Cause we were like, I can't stay here and watch this. And we just went back to my house and watched the end of it. And I don't know, just knowing that this young team had come back from down 2-0 in the series and you're wanting to keep up that momentum and you really don't want to go back to San Antonio for game seven. You feel like this is our one shot and then it actually happens and it comes through and they come back in the second half and win game six and you go to the finals. Like that, honestly, that game is more memorable to me than the finals itself. The finals just felt like gravy at that point. Yes. Um, Because I, I don't think anyone really expected us to beat LeBron because that was... You know, except LeBron's for, coming. Except for after game one. Right, 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 right. Because after yeah, game one, it was like, oh man, like we could do this now. It just felt like it felt a little inevitable that they were going to win a title at that point. And then when they win game one, it was like, whoa, okay. Right. Like, here we go. <laughs> but yeah, that that series just in general was kind of crazy. The, the Spurs had won 20 games in a row heading into that series and just destroyed the thunder in the first two games. And it just seems like, well, you know, the Spurs are, are, they're just a better team. They were in the regular season and they are now, and they were kind of playing that beautiful brand of basketball. That's, I mean, that Spurs team was really good. Um, and just watching the thunder dissect them, uh, it was pretty amazing and watching, you know, James Harden was spectacular in that series. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was guarding him for stretches, uh, which is kind of crazy to, to watch now. Um, but you watch that series and I rewatched a bunch of that series and I'm just like, what the heck are you thinking, Sam? Like you just, just freaking sign that guy to a max contract. <laughs> like you can see it. <laughs> you saw it. Like I know he didn't play well in the finals and not every, I mean, that team was so young to make the NBA finals. It was so crazy, but you saw the talent. It wasn't even like flashes. It was like full games of just dominance from him. And it was a lot of your turn, my turn stuff to where you couldn't, you couldn't quite see him managing a full game because he never did it. Uh, But when you saw, and this happened several times during that playoff run, where you would see Westbrook, Durant, Harden on the break together, you were just like, "Oh, well, that's easy money. Like they're they're gonna score, or they're gonna someone's gonna make the right pass." It was, it was crazy. I mean that in that Spurs run in particular, because to to beat the San Antonio Spurs uh, was a big deal to beat them in the playoffs. Uh, also, Tabo Cephalosha was just amazing against Tony Parker in that series. So. Yeah, going going back to Harden, the thing that stuck out because I was going back and watching a lot of these highlights, um, the thing that stuck out to me was his passing and realizing how important that passing was, and when we lost it, yeah. how it kind of 
blew up any hope for like a movement offense. Yeah. His we cross, court, about for like the next his five cross years. court passes to the corners in particular. Right. I mean, man, he, he was really good. And the way he played with Nick Collison, uh, it was, I mean, it was special. It was really special, but yeah, that, well, the 2012 team was so good. They really were. Alex, before we get to this big trade, I want to talk about our newest sponsor, Day Creative. You've got to go check out daycreative.net. Matt can hook you up with a really cool website. If you just have no clue what to do when it comes to building a website for your business, you need to go to Day Creative. They have end-to-end solutions that will build your online identity and expand your brand to audiences you would have never considered. You're going to say goodbye to those cookie-cutter templates and leave all the heavy lifting to Day Creative. That's daycreative.net. It sounds like it's time to bring it up. (laughs) Uh, The Harden Trade. Now, when we for this, talking about the Harden Trade, we're talking about like the night you found out. Basically, the yeah. night the trade went down, that's that's the memorable moment here. Instead of forget everything that happened afterwards. <laughs> we know everybody knows what the trade is. I mean, right. Yeah. Uh, I was at home and I just remember seeing it on Twitter and there was some big OU game going on that night. I know that was like a lot of people's story, um, but I'm not an OU fan. So I wasn't watching the game, but. I remember hearing about it and just calling people afterwards and it did seem like a decent deal at the time. It seemed like a decent return. Like Jeremy lamb was a lottery pick, a shooting guard that you're like, okay, well maybe this guy can be something. And then the Toronto pick was that that Toronto team was not supposed to be as good as they were. Like this, this was supposed to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. Like you're thinking maybe is, I think it was top three protected. So you're like, maybe we can get, you know, a high pick in this draft and it just didn't work out. Really everything about that trade just did not work out. <laughs> but yeah. at the time I thought it was pretty good. I thought Kevin Martin, like that's a good player. So you got a good win now player. You have a, a good lottery pick coming in and then you have a future pick. Like it looks like you have like all the pieces that you would want uh, right. in a trade. And so I, I was, I was just kind of shocked that it happened because it happened just right before the season started. Yeah. I remember sitting at my, I was at my wife's parents, probably watching the OU game. And, uh, I saw it on my Twitter and I, I like got so excited. I was, I was, so, I just wanted to talk about it to someone yeah. and, uh, and no one cared. <laughs> <laughs> no one could care less. Um, okay. I found some, I'm, I'm going to, I went back in the time machine, Andrew, mm-hmm. and I looked up some old tweets from the night of the Harden trade. Oh my. So first Royce Young's first tweet after the Harden trade quick take. This is a terrible deal. A very dark day for professional basketball in Oklahoma city. Wow. I do not remember Royce saying that, but he nailed it. He was at the forefront. <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody who did not nail it. One Shaq attacky. <laughs> I have, I have your tweets. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah. Three tweets you, you put about this first. Don't hate this deal. Martin is a proven scorer and lamb has the potential to be one. And we don't have to play pay Aldrich anymore. More minutes for PJ3 and Collison, which means more wins. Yes. And actually, you were you were right. They did win more games. And this means Maynard is the full-time ball handler of the second unit, which is also a positive. <laughs> I was very in on Eric Maynard. Uh, but even more embarrassing was uh, Taylor Dickerson's tweet. Oh, my. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> of the James Harden trade. <laughs> Taylor tweeted... Tonight's been so crazy. Can't believe it took me this long to figure out I can watch TV from my toilet. Hashtag new era. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. And then Luke. So Luke didn't tweet that night, but this was when Luke was living in New York and Hurricane Sandy was happening like right at that moment, which of course his apartment got flooded and he came back to Oklahoma City. Yes. So it was, it was a big moment all around for everyone. (laughs) It was, it was a, it was a big, that was a big day because 
negotiations happened all throughout the summer. It was like, are they, are they going to keep both Ibaka and Harden are, and like we, everybody knew the negotiations were happening and the thunder just made a massive miscalculation with, right. With James Harden is what it comes down to. Um, and you know, hindsight says they should have just waited it out. Like if they wanted to trade him, that's fine. Just wait, just wait and trade him, trade him in the season. Whenever you see that he's better because he was going to be better. And he was, he was really good that season. And so like the, the trades that everybody kind of wishes would have happened were like Bradley Beal, which would have obviously been great. And then Clay Thompson, which would have been a home run like to have, right. Like, Obviously, you'd want to keep James Harden, but if you're looking for a perfect player to play next to Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, it's Clay Thompson. And, you know, and I, I guess the Warriors probably looking back wouldn't do it, but at the time, because it took a few years for Clay Thompson to be that guy, you know, they, at the time, they probably would have said, well, we, we probably should have done that too. So, but anyways, you know, the James now, Harden trade sucked. <laughs> It did. Now, I, I brought up some of your old tweets, so it's only fair if I bring up my own tweets. So for the next memory, I'm going to the Stephen Adams draft pick in 2013. Okay, yeah. Now, you you probably you have your own story from this night, because I remember... I do. You were recording a live pod. Yes, it's still out there. <laughs> <laughs> and what happened on that podcast, Andrew? Uh, so Jay came over to my house... And we just we just reacted live to each pod to each pick, and we obviously no one was listening to us. <laughs> we released it later, but we just wanted kind of wanted to get like a fan reaction to like what happened. And when so it was the Anthony Bennett draft, and it was just like it was a weird draft. It was a weird night. Uh, also, little known fact: I got super sick that night. <laughs> um, <laughs> but after they chose Stephen Adams. We were so disappointed that we just <laughs> turned, we just shut the pod down. Like that was it. We want, we really wanted Shabazz Muhammad. Uh, I'm trying to think who else we wanted. Oh, I was going to ask you, who did we even want? I know Shabazz was one of the guys that we wanted for sure. We wanted, we wanted a wing. We didn't yeah. want another big guy. And hey, we could have gotten uh, Schroeder. Yeah, they could have had Dennis. Uh, but yeah, we were. We were not happy about about that one. <laughs> Jay and I weren't. I'm trying to look back and see how many downloads we even had on that show. That's so funny because like they even had a later first round pick, and you still turned it off. Oh, we were done. <laughs> um, okay, so I went back on my own Twitter account back to the night of Stephen Adams draft pick because I remember I had had a bad take on it, and I didn't remember what it was. <laughs> I tweeted about it. Three times, three tweets. First tweet, R.I.P. Sam Presti. <laughs> so I, w- I was very upset. Uh, next tweet. Oh, wait, he's funny? Awesome. Totally worth trading Harden. <laughs> then I was getting really wow, feisty. really sassy. And then my last one, uh, I wish the Thunder drafted players for their NBA team. (laughs) I think this was after they had drafted Robertson and we were like, who is this guy? Like, he's just going to be on the 66ers or whatever. Yeah. And I was just, I was peeved, man. (laughs) I thought they had drafted two D leaguers and I was not happy. (laughs) Yeah. We turns out they drafted two starters. Yeah. And I've, that's one of my moments is the Robertson pick. Yeah. I think we just had like a, a few hundred people listen to that one. I'm trying to think episode, maybe like 33. Yes. Episode 33 of down to dunk. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is great. So the, the, the uh, description of the podcast is this 2013 live draft up until the 12th pick dot, dot, dot. We were a little disappointed. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> What a show. You what, <laughs> what a show. We were just doing, I mean, we were just doing it for fun at that point. Like we had no clue that we would yeah, like even like we wanted, like our goal was like, let's see if we can be on daily thunder. Like that was like our only goal at the time. Right. Okay. So that same night, the thunder 
ended up with Andre Robertson. But do you remember who selected Andre Robertson that night? Uh, well, I'm looking at it, so I'm cheating. But the Minnesota Timberwolves. I thought it was Golden State. That's what oh. it says on on the real GM is that uh, that Andre Robertson was selected by the Golden State Warriors and then traded the Thunder traded Archie Goodwin and cash for Andre Robertson to hmm. Golden State. So Andre Robertson could have ended up on the Golden State Warriors, which is kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting little. Oh, I see what happened. So he actually got drafted by Minnesota and was traded to Golden State that same night. Yeah. And then the very same night, Golden State then traded him to Oklahoma City. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. He'd probably be pretty awesome for the Golden State Warriors (laughs) right now. Um, And Archie Goodwin, uh, although he has a great first name, not a great player. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely one where we had no idea what was going on because he was not mocked on like any of the sites until very late as a first rounder. Yeah. And he was a power forward at Colorado. Yeah. And so like he, I I remember one of his comps whenever I went back and looked at the draft was like Kenneth Reed. Yeah, that makes sense. And it was just, uh, he's definitely not Kenneth Reed. (laughs) It's just, just a weird deal. The whole draft is really weird. And you like you look back and if you like redraft, it's like, man, the Thunder could have had Giannis and Rudy Gobert because they were like within picks for the Thunder. But still, the Thunder did really well getting two starters like they did. Um, but that, that was a weird draft that uh, I can't in recent memory. I don't know if there's a more poorly evaluated draft. Right. If you redrafted it, it would be totally different. Yeah. The the top of that draft was they did such a bad job (laughs) evaluating those players. Um, Okay. I have one that it'll probably make the top 16, but actually it was a lot bigger of a deal in my memory than when I went back and watched it. And it was the end of game two in the 2012 finals. Okay. So OKC led the series one zero. Oh, so. No, but listen, Andrew, I went back and rewatched it. In my memory, that no call happened at the very end of the game, and that would have like tied it or something. Mm-hmm. OKC was down seven oh. when the KD non-foul call happened. So I thought it was tie up the game or something. I mean, it was a it was a bad no call, but they were down by seven with 50 seconds left. Like it wasn't I don't know. It, it rewatching it, I was like, oh, like whatever. Like they still cut it to two because there were still 50 seconds left. Yeah. Um, so I don't know in retrospect, I feel like we blew that one out of proportion a little bit. I mean, it was a bad, no call, but it wasn't like right at the buzzer or anything yeah. as I had thought in my memory. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it still is infuriating though. Like in the NBA finals, <laughs> it was, it was bad. Sorry. I'm still infuriated by it. You're still mad. <laughs> I'm still so mad. I mean, it's true. They could have gone up to zero going back to Miami and who knows? Uh, okay. Uh, I want to bring up 2014 NBA playoffs round two game five Clippers thunder. Yes. I have a play by play of this. Okay. So Luke and I were at this game. A few, I want to give a few personal notes on this and then we can break down the what happened in the last minute of this game because it was insane luke and i are at this game we're sitting in his dad's seats really good seats we're almost we're like right by the clipper bench um it's most people around us left with about a minute left people were just getting up and leaving one of my good friends who's actually named jeremy lamb was at the game and he brought he brought his son and he left. He was just livid. He walked out. Also, one of my friends, Jason, got into a fight that night with a guy that was sitting in front of him. He was there's So there's this, I, I guess a guy at the game was just bad mouthing the thunder all night. And he he's a very non-confrontational person, just reaches down and he just pushes him. And the guy pushes him back and they just get into this little scuffle in the stands um but this game it was highly emotional in a lot of way for for fans because you go from i think they were down 15 at one point in that game they were just getting throttled by this team and at the time it was uh the series was tied 2-2 
It's going back to LA after this game. And it looked like the thunder were going to lose this and possibly lose the series. And it was, it was just not a good look. And you just didn't want to lose to the Clippers like the, like that Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, like they were just, it was one of the most unlikable teams ever. They had Matt Barnes on that team. Uh, it was a terrible team, uh, to play against. And, then just chaos ensues because it, it looked like Chris Paul hit a free throw to put him up six or put him up seven. Uh, and then they get the offensive rebound. Big baby grabs the offensive rebound um, on that second free throw miss. And it just seemed like, okay, well that's it. And then just chaos. Yeah. So, so that was Blake Griffin was at the line. Okay. Yeah. Blake yeah. thunder down four at this point. He makes the first, misses the second, Clips get the rebound. So now, okay, he's down five. There's a minute left, but the Clippers have the ball. And then CP3 makes a mid-range fallaway that, shot. That's what happened, yes. So now it's Clippers by seven with 49 seconds left. Okay, so then Durant hits a three on the very next possession. It's a four-point game. Jamal Crawford misses a floater with 20 seconds left. There's a quick out to KD who gets the layup. So now it's a two-point game. Well, who, with who grabbed that seconds. rebound? It was Russell. It was Russell. Yeah. Then... Immediately, Russell forces the steal on CP3. Reggie recovers. And this is, I still think, one of the worst plays in Thunder history because it is a three-on-one. Reggie Jackson has the ball. Katie and Westbrook are wide open. They're in position on the other side of the defender. And what does Reggie do? Well, he decides to take it all the way, and he gets the ball knocked out of bounds. Probably a foul, but also probably out on reggie if you're not going to call the foul it was not probably out on reggie matt barnes didn't touch the ball really i well i was trying to rewatch it but i i wasn't getting a good picture so i, I watched it several times last night and there is just no way that that is should be thunderball i remember someone tried to explain it to me i was like well Matt Barnes didn't touch the ball i guess the the argument is like the hand is part of the ball right right thing. right yeah and at, and I'm just like, that makes no sense. Reggie Jackson hit the ball out of bounds. And everybody in the arena knew that <laughs> it was going to be Clipper ball. Everybody knew. Uh, I don't know if you have Doc Rivers as a part of your play. by Well, yeah, I was watching him because he, he stayed on the court after the game. So real quick. So out of the timeout, Rush draws a foul yeah. on CP3 on a three-pointer, makes all three. So now, okay, so he's up by one. And then with a chance to win the game, CP3 turns the ball over. And that's the end of the game. And then right when the game ends, Doc Rivers comes running out onto the court, just saying, that was our ball, that was our ball, just going back to the Reggie call. Yeah. He was livid. He And he was screaming from the time that they called it Thunderball, that that was our ball, that was our effing ball, over <laughs> and over and over again during that whole sequence, basically. It it was the craziest time because the arena was probably a, maybe a fourth of the arena or maybe even a third had left by that point. So there's empty seats everywhere and you're just sitting there just watching and the, the crowd is just getting louder and louder. And then when the Thunder won that game, uh, Serge Baca was guarding Chris Paul and Reggie Jackson actually poked the ball out of Chris Paul's hands. Uh, during that last sequence, they didn't get a shot off, and the everybody sat there and screamed for probably five or six minutes, like no joke. <laughs> after the buzzer sounded, it was the it was probably the loudest I've ever heard the arena with just like sure, just shock. Like I cannot believe that this just happened. And that Russell three point shot that he got fouled on one, it was a terrible shot. It was it was just a really bad Russell shot, and he just happened to get fouled. Uh, interesting side note: Steve Kerr was the guy who was one of, one on the call. Oh, really? For that game, yeah, it was pretty pretty interesting. I was I was rewatching it last night, and I was like, oh, Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr was very critical of Russell's shot that he took, <laughs> and he was also saying that he didn't think he got fouled. Um, well, that was that's very cool that you were at the game. I was actually at the opening for a jewelry store that <laughs> night, No. <laughs> and I was following on my phone. And at some point in the like, probably in the beginning of the fourth quarter, I just ditched. So I was there <laughs> with like all of my friends. My wife was there. It was one of her friends opening the store. 
and I just ditched oh, and I wow. ran out and I found the closest bar, which was like this, it was this Mediterranean place. that was completely empty. And so I was just at the bar by myself and I asked <laughs> them to turn on the game. And so I just watched the end of the game <laughs> by myself. I was so excited. I had no one to share it with. <laughs> oh, I was high-fiving everybody around me. Uh, <laughs> so Luke and I went to this, another personal note, Luke and I went to this game and we did a, uh, you did a car pod? We did the car pod. We did the conversation uh, where we like, I don't know why we did this part. This part made no sense, but we like previewed the game <laughs> and then we, uh, we gave our like instant reaction after. I think it's episode 106. Uh, so it's pretty interesting now, like getting to this point because like down to dunk, we started in, um, the fall of 2012. And so like most of this era is like recorded via podcast. So fortunately yeah. or unfortunately, right? Yeah. Some of, I mean, the early ones are really bad. Um, okay. I have a quick one, but I do think it's very memorable. Okay. It is Scott Brooks timeout speech in the closing minute of game five of the finals. Yeah. So this is my favorite Scott Brooks moment. And it also might be like one of the saddest thunder memories for me. <laughs> okay. it's, it's the one that like pulls at my heartstrings the most. Cause you're seeing this young team that made it all the way and they got so close so early mm. and you're just thinking that it'd be the first of multiple finals visits. Right. And Brooks is talking about working hard that summer and everyone coming back and sticking together mm-hmm. and man, it just sucks to rewatch. But it, I do think it was like one of his best moments. He talks about, how like, hey, we're going to go out there and congratulate them. They're the champions. They beat us fair and square. And I just thought it was a really nice moment from a coach. <laughs> well, you have that. And then you have the Russ, Harden, KD with their arms around each other at the end of the game, too. Yeah. Where it's like you just thought those guys are going to be together for a while, but they weren't. Uh, okay. So I have Steven Adams rookie season as one moment. <clears throat> and not just his not, – not anything to do with his stats but the amount of nba veterans that he just infuriated that season that ended up trying to injure him <laughs> so you probably remember vince carter elbowing him in the face when vince carter was a maverick uh before zebo punched him in the face in the playoffs he dangerously pushed him under the basket when he went up for a dunk he just blatantly just pushes him and he, he falls really hard uh he got slapped in the tummy by nate robinson <laughs> uh he got he got punched in the face by zebo in the playoffs uh larry sanders elbowed him in the face he got punched in the arm by darrell arthur and then javel mcgee uh like rode on his back after um Stephen adams like stopped short and like bent over and javel mcgee just ended up riding him for like three or four steps is there like a super cut of all these how yeah. did you look up all of these yeah this is on this is on youtube okay yeah that's a good one because i i had put the zebo one as kind of its own thing but i did i kind of forgot that was his rookie year right yes yeah it was so all that stuff happened in one year yeah he uh, he's just one of those guys and he still does it. And if you just, just take maybe a game this season and just watch what he does, but he is grabbing, he's pinching, he is elbowing. Uh, he is irritating just the crap out of these guys and people now come to expect it. But when he first got in the NBA, all these vets were like, what are you doing? Like, why are you touching me? Like get off. Of, like, <laughs> and he got just pummeled by tons of people. And the best part of it is that he just didn't react at all. Right. These guys were just infuriated, wanted to go after him, and he just ran off like nothing happened. Uh, every time he's Stephen Adams is great. I mean, we talk about the James Harden trade being a disaster, but I mean, like, what if they took Kelly Olynyk at twelve, which was like around? I think he was taken with the next. He was, yeah, very next. Like, he's pretty good, but that would have been even more of a disaster. Like the Thunder have a really good top 10 level starting center and so the the Harden trade could have been much worse because Stephen Adams is really good and I think he's I think that he's poised for a breakout season this year um it's I think it's fair to evaluate the Harden trade as a failure but also recognize that the Thunder got a major piece in it 
Okay. Um, Next okay. I'm going to, I'm going to run through a couple ones that I just don't think are going to make the top 16. Okay. But I just want to mention them. One, uh, the end of the BJ Mullins era, he was traded to the Bobcats in December, 2011. <laughs> the only reason I'm mentioning this is because he was traded. Do you remember what for Andrew? A uh, future second round pick, which became Alex Abrinas. Yeah. I had completely forgotten that. So that was a good trade. That's um, an amazing trade. <laughs> it is. It doesn't make the top 16, but very good trade. That is an amazing trade. Um, another one, which is memorable, but I don't think it'll be top 16, was drafting Perry Jones the third. Yeah, I had in that 2012. one on. Yeah. Um, it was memorable in the sense that we really thought we had gotten a steal. Oh, man. And it's <laughs> we funny. Were very excited. Yeah, I was so pumped. I thought, because we still had Harden and Durant and Ibaka. Like, we thought we were just like adding to this just amazing championship team like this top five level talent in the draft and he just turned out to not really care about basketball <laughs> but that second round i don't know if you remember all the guys that were selected in the second round of that draft it's it's crazy to look back at that draft in particular uh thomas sederensky was taken in that second round jay crowder draymond green uh chris middleton will barton mike scott all these guys kylo quinn was in this was late in the second round just tons of really good players in that second round so and then the Uh, end the end of the first round was pretty terrible you had jared selinger fab mellow john jenkins jared cunningham tony roten miles Plumley, arnett moultrie perry jones jeff teague and festus azili were like the last like nine picks yeah of the first round (laughs) that was pretty rough i mean i get looking reading those first round names you get why they felt like they had to take perry jones i mean he was like a top five prospect the year before yeah yeah Uh, oh well um okay one oh another one that probably won't make it um signing Derek fisher as a free agent the first time yeah march 2012 i just remember that because it was Derek Fisher. Like he's a name. He's coming to OKC. It was. It was a big moment. Also, I'll piggyback on that one. March 1st, 2014, the Thunder signed Karan Butler. Yes. And, uh, it did not go very well. He's he actually shot really well from three in the regular, the remainder of the regular season for the Thunder and then just dropped off a cliff in the playoffs. And he was not in very good shape. (laughs) Visibly not in good shape. He took a lot of minutes that we really wanted to see Jeremy Lamb playing. Yeah, it turns out we everyone was just wrong about everything. Yes, we were. <laughs> um, okay, one that I think will make the list is... I was going to say the 2014 Spurs series, but I'm actually going to call it Serge Ibaka's injury and then his return. Yes. Because so he strained his calf in game six of the aforementioned OKC Clippers series. Mm-hmm. And the initial reports were that Ibaka was done. And Presti even came out in a press conference and said the expectation was that he wouldn't play the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So we had like already thought like, OK, well, he's gone. There's nothing we can do. And then you start hearing these like little rumblings like maybe Serge is coming back. Maybe he's coming back. And then game three, he comes back. They win game three and game four, and Serge plays pretty well. Yeah. I mean, he's not like old Serge, but he he <laughs> is much better than what they would have otherwise had. Mm-hmm. And then they lose game five, and then game six went to overtime. I mean, that was still a really close game. They almost pushed it to seven, which who knows at that point. Um, but I, I definitely think just that whole Ibaka getting injury injured, and then he, we don't know if he's coming back. We think he's gone, and then he comes back. And we thought it was going to be like another miraculous, like down 2-0 and then come back and win 4-2. Right. And, and they got killed those first two games in San Antonio. Yeah. I mean, just murdered. And I, was, I got to go to game three when Ibaka came back. Uh, that was another fun, really fun game to be at because he, he was incredible in that game. Uh, on offense, on defense. I remember the defense of the, of the Thunder team just fell apart without Ibaka back there because they were really that that team gambled a lot on the perimeter with just the hope that you're going to have perk and abaca you know as your backstop and when when he went down it was all over like they just picked the thunder defense apart he Serge used to be so good he he was and a lot of people like he's 
kind of maligned now because he has a big contract and he's just not the same guy, but he was so good. He was perfect for Russell Westbrook because he was a great play finisher and he was a great defender. And, you know, at the time it did kind of feel like they're picking Ibaka over Harden and that's not, that's not necessarily true, but it kind of felt that way. And even at the time, I remember saying that they should have selected Harden instead of Ibaka, but Ibaka was very, very, very good. Yeah. And just to piggyback on that, speaking about Serge being perfect, well, what about 2012 game five, OKC San Antonio Serge shot 11 of 11 from the field, four of four from the line for 26 points. I mean, that was a game that swung it to, I mean, at that point it was two, two. Yeah. So they had already tied up the series and then to get up three, two in San Antonio and then have that chance in game six Yeah. to actually close it out. That was a big memory for me. Yeah. Didn't Kendrick Perkins go perfect from the field in that game too? You know, I think that's right. Yeah. I think they were both like, it was like 20 of 20 or something like that from the field. And that, I mean, that really swung the game for them. Um, okay. I have, well, okay. An obvious one that's, it'll probably be high is the Katie MVP speech. Yeah, I've got that too. Worth, worth mentioning, obviously, you know, I think in the, in the history of MVP speeches, it will still go down as one of the best ones. I mean, it spawned a meme that is still alive to this day, which is really impressive. Um, just the way he talked about, I remember the way he talked about Westbrook specifically. Yeah. Um, obviously all of this is very sad in retrospect, but <laughs> yeah, I have, it was, I have it was a very written, nice moment. I have written down what he said specifically about Westbrook. Oh, why? Why are you doing this? Do you want to do it? <laughs> yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> I know you guys think I forgot Russ. I could speak all night about Russell. And oh, he waited till the end, Andrew. He waited till the end. And in the, in the, he is crying and <laughs> like sniffling, not even sniffling. Like there is like just audible mucus like you know just the whole time i don't know people don't he didn't he didn't get enough heat for that (laughs) um yeah he could speak all night about russell an emotional guy that would run through a wall for me i don't take it for granted there are days i want to tackle you and tell you to snap out of it and i know there's days you want to do that for me too i love you man i love you a lot of people put unfair criticism on you as a player I'm the first to have your back. Just stay the person you are, and everybody loves you here. I love you. Oh my gosh, it's so sad. It's so sad, Andrew. I know, man. He, it really did. Uh, Kevin, Kevin had us all fooled, man. He just did. He, I, I mean, that moment, you just felt like, man, he's gonna be here forever. Yeah, I mean, I do think he believed it at the time. I, I really do. I mean, you, it's you can't fake that speech. Uh, like you, you could read it off, but he's you couldn't. A snake. Oh my god! In the grass. No, I'm just kidding. No, you're right. <laughs> um, okay, another quick one would be okay. Well, Katie's 25 point per game scoring streak. Yeah, was big at the time. In retrospect, I don't know if I care that much. Right. But <laughs> it's like 25 points. Who cares? It's, a, it's just a random number, Andrew. It's arbitrary. That's right. Well, that's that's you one that you look back those. on that you like forgot about. And like, huh, cool. Uh, it went 41 games. He surpassed Michael Jordan. Do you have any guess as to what team ended that streak, Andrew? I have no idea. Well, it would have to be a team that's really bad so that they would get blown <laughs> out and Katie wouldn't have to play the whole game. It was the Sacramento Kings. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the Kings. It's one of the best moments in Kings history right there. Um, okay, so that's a quick one. I mean, memorable because people still bring it up, but who cares? Uh, okay, uh, what about another one that probably won't make it, but Meta World Peace elbowing James Harden with just a few days left in the regular season. Yes. And this was going in to what ended up being their finals run. So Metta World Peace gets suspended seven games and we don't know what's going on with James Harden because it looked very serious. Yeah. Like concussion. It was a massive elbow. Yeah. 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 That was, that was not cool. He, I mean, just a crazy, crazy person. <laughs> he changed his name to Meta World Peace. <laughs> that is still just a crazy thing. And he was acting like he was just like celebrating. 
and James Harden, uh, who had the, the Mohawk at the time just got just nailed. Is there a part of you um, that thinks Meta really didn't see him there? Part of me. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I always had a soft, soft spot for him. <laughs> He's such a crazy person. He I'll just, believe him. <laughs> Oh man. All right, Harden just went left. down. I'm watching the gif right now. Like Harden just went to the ground immediately. Yeah. That, I mean, that could have been super, super dangerous. He could have died. <laughs> could have, <laughs> who knows? Um, okay. Do you, how many do you have left? I have three left. Um, I don't have any left. Okay. So another quick one. Don't think it makes it, but maybe uh, game four of the 2014 OKC Memphis series. This is one of the games that spawned the Mr. Unreliable headline. Yeah. And this game was memorable because Reggie Jackson scored 32 points in it. Yeah. Um, and this was with, this was Westbrook was still there. So Westbrook, this was not when he was injured. Mm-hmm. Um, 32 points, nine assists. OKC won 92-89 in overtime, tied up the series. It was, a, it was a big deal at the time. That was like our first big flash of Reggie Jackson, like on the national stage. Yeah. He, I mean, the Thunder don't win that series without him. Right. I mean, he, he was really, really good for, for the Thunder. He was spectacular. He cried. Um, He did cry. He cried like a baby afterwards. Gosh, you are really getting on KD and Reggie today for crying. What a big, dumb babies crying (laughs) on TV. Um, another one that is just a play and it would have been a lot more memorable if they had won the game, but it was Katie's four point play. Yeah. So this is game two, 2014, same series. OKC Memphis. OKC's down 98, 93 with 13 seconds left. Westbrook is falling out of bounds with the ball and throws it to Katie in the corner. Gasol, Mark Gasol thinks he can steal the ball. So he ends up going way too far out. He ends up fouling Katie as Katie turns around and shoots it while falling out of bounds gets a four point play. And then that game went into overtime, by the way, that series, the OKC Memphis series in 2014 set the record for most consecutive overtimes <laughs> in a series with four. It was incredibly stressful. It was crazy. And then perk tips it in at the buzzer off a of Westbrook miss three. And we go to overtime yep. and then they lose by six, whatever. Yep. Maybe I should just make that series its own thing. Cause there were so many, things that happened in that series, but yeah. they weren't, I mean like that four point play is really memorable, but then they lost the game. Right. I like, don't know what to do with it. Yeah. That whole series was just crazy. And remember how Benno Udry was really good for that team. That Benno Udry and Costa Kufas coming off the bench. was just one of the, one of the weirdest little tandems in the NBA. <laughs> They're like both of those guys have been Kings too. Yeah, they have. Yeah. That I, it makes you, feel a little bit bad for Grizzlies fans because that Grizzlies team was pretty awesome. And they were. you know, to you know, like we look at back at those series and like, man, those series were just grueling. But can you imagine losing <laughs> that series or losing losing the, the two series that went into like crazy overtimes? I mean that's, and that and that was that was the same series where Zebo punched Adams and then missed game seven. Yes. Like Adams was such a gift. It was. Steven Adams was a hero <laughs> for getting punched in the face. Adams was really good. He he was, you know, he was coming off the bench for the Thunder. Uh he was just surprisingly good. And he played a lot with Nick Collison, and I remember Nick Collison just throwing him dishes for for slams that season. Uh yeah, the Thunder team besides like Steven Adams and Reggie Jackson, like the the Thunder depth was kind of strange that team um but yeah reggie played a great game reggie was such a ball hog though <laughs> he was he he's one of those guys that is either like really helping you or he's kind of hurting you well yeah that play against the clippers kind of wasn't that the same play that steven adams talked about in his book yes about reggie yeah yes <laughs> reggie's such a weird guy he's such a weird player like he he definitely helped he was definitely a helpful player in Thunder history, but he's going to be like a weird footnote at the end of the day with this team. And by the way, as I was going through, I found a lot for next time too. There's some, there's some good ones out there. Um, okay. My final one was an individual play. This was November 29th, 2013. Oklahoma city was playing golden state 
it was in overtime. OKC was down by two with nine seconds left. They had the ball. KD passes it to Ibaka at the foul line. He misses. Westbrook runs in from the three-point line to tip it away from Golden State, but he's tipping it towards out of bounds. DeAndre Liggins grabs the ball while running out of bounds and blindly flips it back over his head. Yeah. Westbrook grabs it and then hits a turnaround three-pointer with 0.1 seconds left <laughs> to give them the win in overtime. Just like the craziest Westbrook game winner. And then Brian Davis's call on that. I watched this last night. It was, that is the ultimate making chicken salad out of chicken <laughs> something else. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, those teams were fun. Also, watching Russell, like, completely bald Russell is just quite an experience. Yeah, it is weird. He looks so much different. Yeah. He's a lot smaller, like especially in 2012, going back and watching that series. He's a lot smaller and him having no hair is is a weird it's just a weird experience going back and watching him. Now, uh so recapping what just a, a top of off the top of your head, looking back everything we've talked about, what are like the two or three moments that you think definitely are at the top of this list. I mean, and, you, we'll, and we'll set aside hard and trade and Patrick Beverly. Cause I feel like those are two obvious ones. Yeah, those for sure. I think the, the run to the NBA finals is without a doubt, just the 2012 playoff run. Cause they, cause they had to beat the Mavericks. They killed the Mavericks who were the defending champions. They beat the Lakers in five in round two, and then they beat the Spurs. So like they beat like the last three like champions of the Western conference on their way to the NBA finals. So that whole run deserves to be maybe one, uh, cause I think you kind of clump them all together. Um, I think the game five of the Clippers series was so huge. It was kind of a pivotal moment for the thunder because we like to talk about them having, you know, so many runs to the Western conference finals and things like that. But I mean, it's, that's one of those moments where we realize how close they were to not doing that. Um, right. So I think that's a big one. Um, I think the MVP speech has to be one. I mean, that was a, yeah, it'll that, be up there. It was a big, that was a big moment for thunder fans to have, like to have the most valuable player in the entire NBA in your city. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's a big deal. And then again, when it, I mean, we'll talk about it with Russell. I mean, that was probably even, even bigger than Kevin because Kevin felt a little bit inevitable. Like he's, he's going to get an MVP and just the way the season shook out um with russell and everything that's kind of lent that that scenario to kevin but yeah i mean it was it was an interesting era for for thunder basketball which is basically the whole 11 years now is just incredibly it's just a fascinating team uh and they are to this day like they just can like is there another team that has stayed this relevant in the news for this long no i mean there's not there it's it's crazy there's just not them even the spurs there's like just not that many moments um for them there were some quiet years for the spurs but the thunder are always doing something they're always making a trade they're they've always been you know right there in the top you know, six or seven teams in the NBA. Uh, it looked like they were heading to, to win a title. And then we'll talk next week about how it looked like they were headed that way again. You know, it looked like, you know, once Westbrook and Durant reached their prime together, like they were, they were going to go and, you know, put this together again and then derail. Then, you know, s- somehow the Thunder, I mean, it's just crazy. Like the whole thing, just the way that this franchise has functioned, um, in their history of being in Oklahoma city is, has been really, really good. Uh, and it's been very newsworthy and there's, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's just, it's pretty crazy that, that we get to cover this team and they, they just always have content for us always. Yeah. So next week we're going to do the missed playoffs year and then the 2016 up three, one on golden state year. So that will be the peaks and valleys division. Yeah. Um, just because I think you could argue that that 2016 team was the best OKC team, maybe had the highest ceiling. And then obviously the Valley was the fact that they missed the playoffs for the first time since their first year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will be an interesting one to do. And then 
uh, two weeks from now, we'll be doing the post KD division, yeah, which will be Russ's MVP season and then whatever happened last season. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot from last season. I we, feel like as we get as we get closer and closer in memory, there's going to be so many more things because it was so much more recent. Yeah, I mean, and we were talking about it on the Dream Team pod yesterday with Royce and Ham, and we we talked. I thought we hit a lot of the points, but then people were tweeting at us like, "Well, you forgot this and this and this." Like, oh yeah, we did forget that. <laughs> there was so much that happened last season. Um, there's there's like three press conference moments alone from last season yeah that i feel like we're gonna remember forever yeah it's it's crazy <laughs> it's crazy that was a that was a really really weird year it was a fun it was definitely a fun year that was my first year to be in the locker room and stuff like that i think it was a it was a pretty good year for it to be my first year because it was it was just a strange strange season uh okay anything else alex before we go I think that's it. Uh, I'm really worried about who's going to win this whole tournament. Really, really hoping it's not the Harden trade, but we'll see. I know. Oh man, follow Alex at Al Baby Cakes on Twitter. If you're not, you're missing out. You can follow me at Andrew K Schlecht. Uh, please follow our podcast at Down to Dunk on Twitter as well. Uh, if you have a chance, leave us a five star iTunes review. If you enjoy our podcast, if you listen uh, to every episode week in week out, and you haven't had a chance to do that. It's just a really simple way to support our show. Also, make sure that you're checking out our sponsors, The Press and DayCreative.net. Hope you guys have a great Wednesday, and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday morning.